earth, fire, air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed, and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. Hello everyone, and welcome back to What's Appa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And this week we want to give a special shout out to our friend Raj, who read the intro. This is episode 31 of our podcast, where we'll be discussing The Serpent's Pass. Fun fact, the title of this episode on Netflix is actually The Secret of the Fire Nation. And originally when this episode aired, it aired as part of a one-hour special called, you know, Secret of the Fire Nation. And until Sozin's Comet, this special was actually the highest rated among viewers with 4.4 million views. Also, apparently this first episode, like, I don't know if the whole thing, The Secret of the Fire Nation or just this episode premiered in theaters, like select theaters around the country, but wow. it was like a pretty big deal. So that's kind of cool. That's pretty crazy. And with the bar set super high, let's just get right into it. All right. So this episode begins as you feels like every single episode of Avatar with Avatar by yet another body of water playing around. Everyone's chilling. It begins with Katara doing a waterbending bomb into the lake, which, by the way, has Katara ever been having fun at the beginning of an episode? She's always bending or studying or telling them to do things. So Katara's having fun here. It's pretty new stuff. <laughs> yeah. Also, this is another example of someone bending but not moving because Katara's just jumping into the water. And she makes like way too big of a splash. Mm-hmm. And then Aang just like flips around in the water and makes a block of ice around him so it's canon that they don't have to move yeah so they gather around and get to work so Sokka looks at a map that they got from the spirit library and they're trying to figure out how to get into Basingse. and he realizes that they can the only way they can go through is through the serpent's pass yeah i just want to comment that the map only has two rings for Basingse, so it's either old or incomplete Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. I guess we do know it's very old, about like 5,000 years old. So they yeah, added another probably wall. Probably they added another wall as the population is growing. Yeah, that's cool. And then Toph's like, are you sure that's the best way to go? Yeah. And some small detail here is that Toph looks a little bit annoyed. Uh, she has her hands crossed and uh, one might guess that she's annoyed because she can't partake in any of the map activities and then just another thing i noticed about the map is it actually has no words on it at all so Sokka's like pointing at the servants pass and at the city of bossing say and all this but like there are literally no characters anywhere on the map which is interesting because usually in the avatar world they're pretty consistent about putting characters on different documents um but this one is totally unmarked Sokka responds to Toph saying it's the only way. I mean, it's not like we have Appa to fly us there. So we have good old low EQ Sokka back. <laughs> yeah, I guess it kind of sets him up for the episode. I mean, we kind of see low EQ Sokka throughout this episode. But again, this this episode, uh, we do get some good Sokka character building. So it kind of sets him up a little bit from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then Aang is all distant and he's like, oh, it's fine, blah, blah, blah. And then this also sets up Aang for the rest of the episode. So my thing here with Aang is that he's still obviously sad about losing Appa, but it's kind of like the five stages of grief, kind of. So like last episode, he was all angry. It was first denial, then mainly anger. And then this episode, I think, is mainly depression because he's mostly just aloof and kind of loses hope. And I think that's pretty characteristic of depression. So we'll see that come up throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's also like a sad instrument noise. I think it's an oboe. I can't really tell. It sounds like a lark. <laughs> but I think this is the light motif for Aang's stoicism. Oh, oh yeah. Interesting. Very nice. Okay. Wow. That's cool. I didn't pick up on that. So then Sokka's like, all right, let's get to work. No more distractions. And then right on cue, a bunch of random refugee people show up and are like, yeah, <laughs> we're trying to get to Basingse too. Yeah. Classic Sokka. First of all, rude. Yeah, they just come out of nowhere. <laughs> and second of all, we actually see these 
at least the man and the woman in Zuko alone mm -hmm. at the very beginning of the episode when he passes them. Yeah, I was just going to say, but there's a third woman there. Who is she? I read she's supposed to be the man's sister. Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah, which is like so <laughs> hilarious because she just does absolutely nothing the entire episode and like also wasn't even there in Zuko, Zuko alone when Zuko was about to rob them of their food. So yeah, she's just like a nothing character. And even on the Avatar Wiki, which has names for everybody, she doesn't have a name. She's just Tan's sister. So it's just like super random. Although actually, I was rewatching just now and one thing that she does do which is a useful thing, is uh, she holds Ying's hand as Ying's giving birth. So, like, she's holding one of Ying's hands and then Tan is holding the other one of Ying's mm. hands. And, like, that wouldn't have been possible unless there were three of them. So I guess that's the purpose she serves. <laughs> other than that, she, like, does nothing, says nothing, is nothing. Man, she so. would fail the Bechdel test with flying colors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, I thought that was funny. Yeah, so then uh, the man... Tan is like, come with us to Full Moon Bay, where they're going to cross um, to Ba Sing Se on a ferry. So the next shot is an establishing shot of Full Moon Bay. It's this hidden cave with a large like embankment, like military embankment to protect them, which A is already weird because it's supposed to be secret from the Fire Nation. And there's tons of refugees waiting there. And the first thing I noticed was that the tents are all pink, like Fire Nation colored, but all the people mm. living there are wearing green. So yeah. that's already interesting. Might show like the integration that the Fire Nation already had in this region of the Earth Kingdom. Mm. The other thing is that, uh, fun fact, it was supposed to be called Half Moon Bay, but apparently that's a real bay somewhere in San Francisco. So they had to name it Full Moon Bay. <laughs> <laughs> and the wiki says the reason it's called Full Moon Bay is because it's like po poking fun at like the TSA. Because it's like, oh, you're mooning the TSA, I guess. Oh. And it's like super strict that the full moon bay but the reason i think it's there and i'll get into this later is because it ties in more to Sokka's arc with suki and princess ua mm -hmm. wow mm -hmm. it's just another way that ua is asserting herself into this episode mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anyway katara says i can't believe how many people's lives have been uprooted by the fire nation and then one of the fairies like leave in the distance yeah and when I was rewatching, I was like, why are they lingering on this ferry for so long? But it's because Ira and Zuko are on that ferry. So they just barely missed the Aang gang. But Ira is there saying, who would have thought after all these years, I'd return to the scene of my greatest military disgrace as a tourist, uh, which is just like super funny. He's wearing this flower hat and Zuko does not look happy, but I just love how Iroh is clearly fully over this incident because he's able to just make fun of himself so hard. So mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. Anyways, Zuko being all grumpy is like, we're not tourists, we're refugees. I'm sick of eating rotten food, sleeping in the dirt. I'm tired of living like this. Yeah, I just thought this was funny because we remember how in the beginning Zuko used to call people peasants as an insult and now he's literally one of them. So just bringing it full circle. And then out of the corner comes a voice we all recognize saying, aren't we all? And it's Jet. And he introduces himself as Jet and introduces the Freedom Fighters. <laughs> um, and he's like, I hear the captain is eating like a king and all of us down here are eating like peasants. Doesn't seem fair, does it? And he's like, you want to help us liberate some food? And then Zuko ponders this request or invitation is like, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. It's hilarious because Zuko like stares off into the distance. He's in deep thought. He's like considering should he do it, should he not? And he just says, I'm in and chucks his food like into the ocean. No <laughs> regard. <laughs> he does. He throws it <laughs> off the edge of the ferry. It's, so it's like completely <laughs> unnecessary. Yeah. And I have to say, there's also some great character development from Jet. He is upgraded from chewing on a twig to a piece of wheat. <laughs> Good for uh, him. Jet. Yeah. And then he smiles because, you know, his plan is falling into place. Because he's evil. No, just yeah. Kidding. He's reformed. He's reformed. Uh, yeah. You know, I think I think he is personally. But so one thing I thought that was very cool that's kind of subtly brought up in this episode 
in a couple ways and is explored later in the rest of the season is this theme of inequality that we see in Bossing Say, like income inequality and, and things like that, just different ways the, the inner circle is versus the outer circle. But we get some hints of it here because it's a, you know, they're like, it's an earth king of fairy now. They're going to Bossing Say, but it's like, oh, why are the captains eating like kings and, and the rest of them eating like peasants? Like, it, it doesn't really make sense to, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just thought it was cool because it comes up a couple more times in the episode, kind of like hinting at this inequality that kind of exists in the Earth Kingdom. All right. So then we continue back at Full Moon Bay, and the first shot is of the beloved Cabbage Man, and he's trying to get across to Bossing Say, but the uh, lady that's approving passports um, so that people can get across um, denies him because his cabbages could bring in some slugs that could destroy the whole ecosystem of the Earth Kingdom. So then it cuts immediately to this giant platypus bear that just wrecks all of his cabbages. And then he's like, no, my cabbages. Yeah. And apparently, if you do a slow-mo of this scene, you can actually see a cabbage slug flying through the air as the platypus bear destroys the cabbages. So yeah, he really would have brought in an invasive species that would have devastated all of uh, Bossing Say's agricultural production, which would have wow. actually increased the inequality in the city, which would have been terrible. Yeah, and they so. would have lost the Fire Nation too. So yeah, even quicker. Yeah. So I can't feel as much sympathy for Cabbage Man anymore. I guess. Yeah, really, Cabbage Man like could have ended them all. Yet he gets a statue in Republic City for some reason. Yeah, it's kind of messed up. So then Team Avatar tries to get in, but the lady denies them because they don't have passports. Yeah. Um, And then a small detail that I came across as I was doing my research is apparently in the last episode, Zuko and Iroh actually do receive passports through the White Lotus. And um, remember, there's that man who walks in the flower shop who's like, I have your passports for your travel. So it's just like that little bit of continuity is kind of nice. And it explains why Zuko and Iroh were able to be on the ferry and Team Avatar Mm. wasn't. Because they got connections. And then Sokka protests. He says, but he's Avatar. And the lady's like, I see 50 Avatars a day. You have a pretty bad costume. And then it pans to these like misfit Avatar Aang looking people all just like kind of being weird in the corner. Yeah. And this is just such a funny little shot. Um, well, first I thought an Avatar a day keeps the doctor away. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I thought it was a funny shot because I don't know, like the Avatars just look really like there's such misfits like on said like two of them are holding hands which like totally doesn't make sense like did they come as like a father-son <laughs> duo thinking they could both be the avatar but a fun fact is apparently these imposters are designed after actual people so one of them is actually supposedly modeled after creator mike DiMartino. oh and another small detail is the Avatar theme plays in the background, but in like a kind of goofy, warped way, uh-huh. <laughs> um, which is funny. My main gripe with this entire episode is that Aang could have just airbended, and that would have been that. <laughs> like, yeah. instant access to fairies. True. I feel like the lady wouldn't have believed mm-hmm. him. <laughs> she just would have been like, nah. But yeah, worth a try, at least. All right, but then Toph comes in. And she just whips out her Beifong thing. <laughs> what, what, even what? Is it? what even does she show? It's a passport. passport. <laughs> it's a that's it. She has a passport or like ID, I guess. Okay, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> I like Beifong thing. I just I didn't know what to call it. All right. <clears throat> so then Toph comes through, and then she just whips out her Beifong passport. And then the lady immediately just stamps all four tickets um, and they're all let in. And I thought this was another one of those examples of how someone with just a lot of clout or a lot of power and money was able to like kind of game the system, whereas even being the avatar um, wouldn't let you through. But it kind of shows how that influence of, of that, how much influence uh, that has in this society. I just personally thought it was really funny because like she gives off a lot of like Asian mom, Asian auntie, like, energy. Because um, she, like, comments on how official her seal is and how, the officialness of it, and she immediately <laughs> stamps it without any th- further verification. But also, her ID apparently it translates to Earth Kingdom First Class Passport 
Toff Beifang. But when I put the Chinese in Google Translate, it translates to first class passport of Turkmenistan. <laughs> <laughs> so the gang is about to go on their way to the ferry, but Sokka gets pulled aside by a girl and it turns out to be Suki. And Sokka's super surprised to see her. Yeah. Um, and of course, he would be surprised because this is actually the first time we've seen her without her kiyoshi makeup on which uh, i don't know this is one of those moments where like i wanna i wish i could just like watch this series again through fresh eyes because i wonder how recognizable she is actually like she must not be super recognizable um so i wonder what you're thinking if you're watching it for the first time i don't know it's just kind of it's just kind of a cool moment because yeah mm-hmm. we haven't seen her like this yeah. okay conspiracy theory the real Suki was abducted and like put in a basement somewhere because this Suki has blue eyes and the original Suki had brown eyes. So, you know, oh. if I was in Sokka oh. shoes and I was Detective Sokka, I would also be very suspicious. Well, Suki is impersonated once again later on in this season. So you know, could just not have been, <laughs> been the real Suki. There you yeah. go. Maybe she's a Judy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so dark. many of her. The uh, the deep state runs very deep. <laughs> this is a Judy the whole time. But anyways, the next scene is Suki catching up with Team Avatar. And Suki is just explaining to them how she left Kyoshi Island with the Kyoshi Warriors after they visited because they wanted to find ways to help people. So they escorted some refugees to Half Moon full moon bay <laughs> and stayed there ever since and she's like oh what are you guys doing why don't you just fly there on appa and then everyone's like appa's gone and then she's like i'm so sorry ang and he's like i'm fine why is everyone worrying about me and then and then ying who is the pregnant woman calls out to ang and says that someone took all their stuff and their passports and tickets and so they can't get on the ferry I read just in the comments on Avatar Wiki, someone say that they think Jet stole the tickets. Ooh. I don't know. I don't know if that... <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting. Because hmm. I don't trust him. But also, I guess they left already, huh? By the time they mm-hmm. got there. Okay, never mind. Bad theory, bad theory. Um, and then Aang is just like, okay, I'll, t- I'll help you. I'll talk to the lady. Like, he thinks he can do anything. Top should just talk to the lady. <laughs> Gosh, Aang, so full of himself. And then the lady screams, no passports, no tickets, and stamps Aang's head. (laughs) Um, So the first comment I just want to make is that they have an entirely different stamp for rejection. (laughs) I feel like they could Uh just not stamp it. Um, So, you know, some Earth Kingdom inefficiencies, which is why (laughs) the Cabbage Man has a statue, because he's all about that efficiency. Yeah, and why they're the inferior nation to the fire nation. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And then she says, if I just gave away tickets willy-nilly, there would be no order. And you know what that means? No more civilization. (laughs) I just, like, love that Asian mom logic, which is, like, if you don't do your homework now, you're going to get bad grades. If you get bad grades, you're going to be homeless. If you get homeless, you're going to be sad. Do you want to be sad? No, go do your homework. (laughs) That's funny. I see the resemblance. Um, but then anyway, Aang tries to fight her on this and she just basically rejects him. So Aang, unimpeded by this bureaucratic impasse, he basically turns to the refugee family and he says, don't worry, I will lead you through the Serpent's Pass. They decide they're going to go to the Serpent's Pass and then Suki says that she's coming too. And then this is a really hilarious scene because she bravely says, I'm coming too. And then the Kyoshi like leitmotif plays for literally half a second. And it's this like mm-hmm. very brave superhero theme and literally just gets shut down. Isaka who says, why? <laughs> <laughs> and she is dejected that he doesn't want her to come. Yeah. And obviously the whole, you know, personal dilemma that Sokka is dealing with is just losing someone he loved. And he doesn't want to lose her now that she's back in his life. But I just am confused by how attached he really is to her because they've only met once. And I don't know, I guess like Kyoshi Island stuff maybe was over the course of like many days or something. But I still just don't really understand why, how deep their bond is, you know. (laughs) I feel like Suki is super into Sokka and I'm I'm just not sure why. (laughs) She's into his sexism 
No, I feel like she likes being the alpha because she, like, knows that she's better than him. (laughs) 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 Yeah. He's just got good biceps. That's okay. Um, Supposedly. Did he? Did he, though? (laughs) He did, like, three chin touches, tree touches or something. Like, once. He can get you somewhere. Yes, but then they go to the Serpent's Pass. Right before they enter, they look at it. Um, and it just like looks like this giant hill, just this narrow, narrow path. And there's this scary looking sign right before you enter. And it says abandon hope. And this could potentially be a reference to Dante's Inferno, which outside the gates of hell, it was like abandon hope ye all who enter here or something. So mm. it's basically hell. <laughs> and then Ying is like, how can we abandon hope when that's all we have? And then Ang says, all sad, like. Or stoic-like. He's not that sad. He's like stoic. He said, the monks used to say that hope is just a distraction. So maybe we do need to abandon it. I think either Katara or Sokka are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is literally some sad boy, like depressed talk. Yes. Yeah. It's like hilarious to see it coming out of a 12-year-old who's gone through like objectively not that much. <laughs> Disagree. But anyways, <laughs> um... So throughout doing research online, I read that the this is actually a legit Buddhist teaching in a way of just like, you know, abandoning hope. But the message is more like, oh, just live in the moment and don't be constantly attached to like what might happen. Um, but I think it's interesting because Aang seems like he's distorting this notion of just like remaining present and not getting too attached to the possibilities of the future um he's distorting it into just like not being emotional at all or like kind of just not like you know like not accepting how he feels at all um mm-hmm. so yeah anyways apparently this is actual like kind of based in like actual buddhist teachings with that they are starting to cross the serpent's pass and suki just explains to them a little bit more background of what's been going on she says the fire nation controls the western lake rumor has it that they're working on something big on the other side and they don't want anyone to find out what it is and this is just a nice little nod to the drill that's coming very soon Mm -hmm. and then um, almost immediately after that the fire nation ship spots them that's like guarding the lake and they fling a flaming rock at them which is kind of funny i read somewhere online that's like Okay, so is the Fire Nation just flinging rocks at anything that moves on the Serpent's Pass? <laughs> like, they're truly evil. Like, it, I don't know. It kind of makes sense, though, because, like, who would be going across mm-hmm. Serpent's Pass other than, like, somebody that they were the serpent. against? I don't know. Like, like they're just civilians, you know? Like I guess I if they're know. imposing a care. blockade, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, kind of brutal. So... <laughs> So the next scene, it's night, and, you know, Sokka and Suki are hanging out. Mm. And Suki tries to put down her, like, futon-looking thing near a ledge, and Sokka says, Suki, you shouldn't sleep there. This ledge is dangerous. It could give away at any moment. And she says, Sokka, I'm fine. Don't worry. And Sokka says, you're right. You're perfectly capable of taking care of yourself. And he instantly freaks out, and he says, oh, no, wait, never mind. I thought it was a spider. (laughs) And... (laughs) So my first thought is, wow, that's kind of sad that Suki is like sleeping away from Team Avatar. Like, I guess she doesn't feel like super part of the team. Mm-hmm. But then my second thought was like, one way to look at this is Sokka super protective. But another way to look at this is he wants Suki to sleep next to him. So, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> hello, Sokka. Yeah. Wait, I never even thought about the fact that she just put herself her like stuff so far away from the team. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't feel part of the team yet. Aw. Oh, I was going to say, I think that Sokka's totally justified in, like, being a little bit paranoid because she literally, like, almost fell off a ledge two seconds ago. ago. (laughs) (laughs) And now she's putting everything, like, putting her blanket on a ledge again. So, I don't know. But my last thought is, like, Toph should definitely know that the ledge is weak, right? Mm. So she definitely would have said something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but maybe she didn't say anything because secretly she wants Suki to fall off the ledge so that she can be with Sokka. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) Uh. In the next scene, 
they are on the refugee ship and Zuko and Jet are stealing food. And it's this really cool action sequence. But I just want to comment on their escape. Longshot shoots an arrow. It hits like the top level where they're staying at. And they all like zip line down. But if he missed, then like either Smeller B, Jet, or Zuko is just dead. (laughs) 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 And Appa never gets released and the show ends right there. Good thing Longshot has a promising future in the Yu-Yan Archers. (laughs) (laughs) So then we go to another steamy scene (laughs) with Katara and Aang at night. (laughs) And Katara's like, you know, it's okay to miss Appa to Aang. (laughs) Katara not really setting the mood, but the sad oboe music comes back. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, good catch. Um, and Katara's like, what's going on with you? And Aang's like, you saw what I did out there. I was so angry about losing Appa. I couldn't control myself. I hated feeling like that. And this is classic overcorrecting, which is uh, interesting. I read online that somebody thought it was nice that this was showcased, this like overreaction to something, because it's a very normal human instinct i guess and Mm -hmm. i also read this online but Sokka is actually overreacting in the opposite direction of like caring Mm -hmm. even more and then ang is trying to care not at all so it's kind of interesting they're foils for each other in that way Mm -hmm. um and katara is like i know sometimes it hurts more to hope and it hurts more to care but you have to promise me that you won't stop caring and katara tries to give him a hug but he's like thank you for your concern katara and walks away which is just a big ouch. <laughs> yeah. All the all the girls are taking L's this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Not only does he walk away, like she tries to hug him and he just bows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was really sad. You got monk zoned. <laughs> That's a good rejection technique, you know, next time. <laughs> just bow. You don't want to give someone your number or something. Just bow. You heard it here first, <laughs> folks. If you're going on like a bad first date, just bow at the end of it before you leave. And then leave. I'm sure they'll be so confused they won't know what to say. <laughs> That's so funny. All right, from one steamy scene to the next steamy scene, we have Sokka and Suki alone at night. And Suki is like, oh, it's a beautiful moon. What a terrible thing to say from Suki. She didn't even know it. But come on. <laughs> oh, man. Just leave. Drop <laughs> yeah. the mic. <laughs> Sokka's like, yeah, it really is. And Suki's like, why are you being so overprotective of me? And Sokka tells her about how he can protect someone at the North Pole. And he doesn't want anything like that to ever happen again. Uh, and Sugi is talking to Sokka and then she goes in for the kiss and they're about to, but he's like, I can't. And I'll just say one thing I noticed and maybe Justin noticed this too, I don't know, but as they go in for the kiss, the moon is like right between them and it's just like, that's like Mm. UA, like right between both of them. It was just a cool shot. Yeah. Very smart. All I have to say is this is sad. (laughs) (laughs) i just want to make two comments here the first one is that it's a crescent moon so they go from full moon bay to a crescent moon to the end of this episode so i think it's like kind of symbolic like ua's i guess hold on Sokka like getting weaker but then also um when Sokka says i can't uh, ua says oh i'm sorry i feel like this episode is a really good episode that teaches kids about rejection and like the real proper way to deal with it but anyway um it cuts to uh team iroh eating their stolen food <laughs> iroh misgenders spellery he says what a lovely name for a young man and spellery goes maybe that's because i'm not a man i'm a girl and she stomps off um no he doesn't even he doesn't even say what a lovely name for a young man he's like what an odd name for a young man so he's like he's like (laughs) he's like shitting on the name and then she's like a girl so he's just like doubly put his foot in his mouth (laughs) yeah but then um longchild pulls her aside and longchild just doesn't say anything she's like yeah i need to be more confident 
Yeah. <laughs> just thinking, like, what if Longshot didn't mean anything? He's like, oh, I'm just going with it. <laughs> anyway. Um, but Jet is excited to go to Bossing Say for a second chance. Because um, he's allegedly done some things that he's not proud of. Yeah, and then at the end of the scene, Jet is just staring blankly into the distance. Like, his eyes look dead inside, and he just looks super suspicious. And as someone who has a terrible memory and, like, doesn't exactly remember what happens to Jet, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, is he for real? Like, okay. is he really, does, is he, does he really want to change, or does he mm-hmm. have some other motive? Because, I mean... I think part of him does, but then, like, the stealing thing is, like, part of his, you know, rebel personality still being there, and, like, I don't know. My take on this is that he's actually changed. I mean, I think this whole, like, is he or is he not sus kind of sets us up for, sets us up for later in the season when... Basically, the Earth Kingdom tries to make Jet sus and tries to frame him for stuff and send him away to prison. Mm, so the show. I remember now. So like, if we were convinced that he was not sus already, it wouldn't be as like big a shock when we find out that Jet actually like is in a jail and like it's not as tragic. I think it just sets up the tension for later on like much better. But I think actually like he is pretty reformed and it's like a tragedy what happens to him later on i don't know i think it's unclear because the music makes you think that there still could be something sus about him and then he does like kind of stick onto iroh for way too long to the point where even smeller b and longshot were like yo you gotta chill so who knows oh i remember now he's all like i think they're fire nation okay i got you i got you (laughs) yeah okay yeah maybe it's not so cut and dry I guess we'll have to see. It's something we can keep talking about. So, yeah, the next scene is them still on the Serpent's Pass, Team Aang, gang, and eventually the Serpent's Pass just disappears underwater, and there's, like, a long stretch of it that's underwater, and Katara's like, everyone get behind me, and she parts <laughs> the sea like Moses, um, and I just thought this was super cool because I love leader Katara um you know we just got to meet her a little bit last episode and I like how she does have a few moments in this one where she takes charge but also Mm -hmm. this is just like the silliest idea because later she freezes like she creates an ice pathway across the water which she could have just done in the first place so I don't know maybe she's trying to like flex or something well Toph was reluctant to walk on ice right that's what I thought at first too but I was like Maybe that's the most comfortable way to just get everyone across. Also, wouldn't they be more visible to the Fire Nation ships? But they're already kind of just walking on top of the Serpent's Pass, which is very exposed. Hmm. The top point is a good point, but I feel like they didn't really discuss. So maybe Katara is just being so considerate. She already Mm -hmm. knows that top would (laughs) want to walk on ice. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Might be a stretch. But anyways, they're in this little air bubble now under the water. And Momo's just trying to grab the surrounding fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually a giant serpent just comes and like breaks through the bubble. Um, and then Toph earthbends them out of the water. Um, and apparently Toph could have just created a little like earth pathway this whole time too. So I don't really know what they're thinking. And serpent circles around them, and then it comes out, and it looks very terrifying. It looks like Rayquaza from uh, Pokemon. Mm-hmm. It does. Totally does. Also, I, I never, like, I don't think I could tell the difference between this and the Unagi thing from <laughs> so um, different. Kiyoshi Island. But I did like that there's actually a reference to that. I forget who it was, but they're like, oh, Suki, like, you've dealt with something like this before or something. They, like, throw that Yeah, it's when Sokka's being a little baby. Oh, yeah. He's like, Suki, deal with it, please. Yeah. <laughs> and Suki was like, just because I live close to it doesn't mean I know how to deal with it. And then Sokka also tries to sacrifice Momo. Uh, and apparently this <laughs> is the second time he thinks of Momo as food. The first time is in the Southern Air Temple. And then Aang tries to distract the... I was about to say the Unagi, but <laughs> the serpent, they look very different, though. And um, Katara tries to get them all across the water with an ice bridge. And then the serpent chases and Katara and Katara like skates around on the water with little ice feet holds <laughs> that she has. And it's like super, super dope. Um, 
yeah, just mm-hmm. another reminder that she's a very capable waterbending master now. Um, and then Toph doesn't want to step on the ice bridge because she can't see on the ice and she wants to stay on the ground. But then the serpent just like threatens her and she eventually crosses the ice bridge. Um, but then it broke. But one thing I was wondering is why can't Toph see on the ice? Because, OK, well, obviously ice is water. But I guess at first I was just like, oh, Toph can just is super sensitive to vibrations in general. But I guess it's not true. I guess it's only through earth um mm-hmm. yeah anyways I guess my take was just that ice is slippery and maybe cold and i don't know i could oh. believe it although you're right it's, it is doesn't make the most sense maybe yeah i don't know but yeah but yeah. like i don't know can she like step on wood can she step on she probably could rocks wood rocks can she step on i don't know what other substances there are <laughs> when she steps on Appa, what does she see <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah my other thought here was like but also just move the island i don't know like bend it to mm. go towards the land mm. yeah <laughs> seems like that should be possible <laughs> yeah justin coming up with all the clever solutions yeah but eventually yeah, the ice bridge breaks because the serpent runs into it and Toph's like, I can't swim. And I wonder if, if this is because she's an earthbender and she's blind or if her overprotective parents just never taught her to swim. Because I feel like theoretically she should be able to swim, like just the motions of it. It's probably the blind thing. I don't know a lot of blind people who can swim. Do you know a lot of blind people? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess we we could not know. Um, But anyways, Sokka's like, I'm coming. And then he like goes to take off his shoes or something. And Suki just dives in and saves Toph. And her makeup is still intact, which is kind of crazy. And then Toph is like, oh, Sokka, you saved me. And kisses Suki on the cheek. And then Suki's like, actually, it's me. And Toph is like, oh, well you can go ahead and let me drown now, which is just one of the best lines in the entire show. Um, And it just hints at the fact that Toph has like a baby crush on Sokka, I think, which gets hinted at throughout the series. Uh, It's just another ship tease, I guess. But one thing I thought about this ship in particular is Toph's crush is the realist and most true because it's not based on looks. Mm. she has no idea what Sokka looks like so she loves him or has a crush on him love is a little strong for his personality mm-hmm. which is questionable <laughs> just kidding <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah anyways love is blind Netflix please sponsor us <laughs> I think Toph just proved this their point yeah and then Kotaro and Aang in the meantime are creating this giant whirlpool to make the serpent really dizzy and like swing around in a circle and eventually like hits the serpent hits its head against a rock and it like goes away. Yeah it's cool to see some progress because in the Kyoshi Warriors episode it's just Aang in that ridiculous animation running across the water. (laughs) 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 Um, But in this episode he's running across the water with airbending but also water bending the whirlpool at the same time, which is mm. kind of cool. That's cool. Yeah. So they defeat the serpent and they make it across the serpent's pass and the baby is coming. So Katara once again goes into leadership mode and she's like, Aang, get some rags. Sokka, water. Toph, I need you to make an earth tent, a big one. Yeah, I just want to make a comment here. So every to everyone else, the baby was inside the woman and now she's outside the woman. But can Toph see the baby inside the woman? So to Toph, is it like just it just doesn't make a difference? I don't know. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. How much can Toph see? Can Toph, so does that mean can Toph see like the internal organs of people too? Wow, she can tell if people are lying, right? Yeah, so mm. she can clearly tell their heart. Well, that's like I mean, you have physical vibrations. vibrations, right? Yeah. Like a polygraph, mm-hmm. like you'd have physical. But like the baby's probably you. vibrating in there. <laughs> We're like trying to <laughs> trying to squeeze its way out. Trying oh, to oh man, that must be maneuver. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. 
Maybe Toph could assist by saying exactly when she should push because she can sense like when <laughs> oh, the baby yeah. is like, yeah, I don't mm, know. Yeah. I don't really know how that all works. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> she could um, build a booming ultrasound business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then we, we're going back to the Jet and Zuko dynamic duo. And Jet is like, you know, as soon as I saw your scar, I knew exactly who you were. And then we're like, <gasps> and then he's like, you're an outcast like me. <laughs> and I just thought, what is this supposed to mean? Just because he has a scar, he's an outcast? Or is it like clearly a burn scar? And so it's like, oh, he got burned from the Fire Nation. I guess that's kind of what everyone assumes. But I'm like, wow, is Jet saying like, oh, he's ugly. He has a scar. He's an outcast. That's so rude. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. How does, even if he was burned by the Fire Nation, he wouldn't necessarily be an outcast right but yeah i don't know i just thought that was like kind of weird and rude anyways <laughs> <laughs> I don't wanna... uh, jet um and then zuko's like oh yeah i realized lately that being on your own isn't always the best path so just a little continuity from zuko alone when he had a terrible time anyway it cuts back to team avatar and they are del- delivering a baby which is kind <laughs> of insane uh, Sokka walks in just as the baby's head is crowning and he faints immediately and they scream it's a girl and Katara tells Aang, Aang you should come see this and he walks in the tent it's a very cute baby the whole family is like surrounding the mother who's holding the baby and Aang smiles and there's like tears coming down his face and they name her Hope yeah <laughs> so um, it's pretty funny because they're like oh we should name her something unique and have it mean something and then Aang says something about hope, and they were like, ah, yes, hope. Which is neither unique, <laughs> but I guess it means something. Um, but apparently, originally, they wanted to name the baby Shi Wang, or Shi Wang, which in Chinese means hope. Um, and it was going to be a boy, but they didn't want to confuse American watchers. So they went with the English name. Yeah, which actually could be unique in the Avatar world, because most people mm. don't have English names. Mm. But also, hope is yeah. not a is not a common name, right? Like it's pretty unique. I know. Right? Yeah, it Two is hopes. pretty unique. Oh, oh really? really? Wow, I I yeah. didn't know anyone was actually named Hope. I know people are definitely named Hope, but I didn't. I don't personally know any Hopes. Hmm, I see. Okay, interesting. I didn't know that. Aang says, "I've been going through a really hard time lately, but you've made me hopeful again." And it pans to a shot where he's looking at Katara from the back. Yeah, I think this whole scene is very, very sweet. And it definitely makes me emotional when like Aang is tearing up and everything. But I feel like when they name the girl Hope, it's just a little (laughs) too much. (laughs) It's like that just is like just a little much. I'm going to disagree. I actually really Really? like the scene. I actually really I like it a lot. I I always tear up at this part, too. So I'm going to defend it. Hmm. I mean, I really like it, too, until they name her Hope. I've never heard anyone named Hope. Maybe that's part of the reason. I was like, okay, it is a unique name, and it means something, so that's cool. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a little cheesy, but, yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyways, then everyone is parting ways, and Aang is having his realization, and he says, I thought I was trying to be strong, but really, I was just running away from my feelings. Seeing this family together, so full of happiness and love, it's reminded me how I feel about Appa and how I feel about you to Katara. And <laughs> I just thought this actually is also like such a, this is maybe one of the best Katang moments. Um, <laughs> it definitely got me. And I was like, wow, Aang has such a way with words. Yeah, real progress there too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then him and Katara hug and it's very, very sweet. And then Aang tells the whole team that he needs to go find Appa and he really needs to do this. Yeah, it just seems like his grief has basically come to an end. He's at the acceptance stage and he can do what he needs to do to find Appa. And I was also kind of reading and and it feels like this is a good amount of time to spend on Aang's grief. Like Joyce was saying, like two episodes, it's not too much, it's not too little and it's kind of the right amount to explore the feelings that Aang's go through, that Aang goes through. So it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And then Aang leaves with Momo and Suki is like, I guess I should also be saying goodbye now because, I don't know, she's going to go back. And Sokka's like, what? And then she's like, yeah, I have to get back to the Kyoshi Warriors. And I'm just like, how is she going to get <laughs> <Yeah>. back? <laughs> What's her plan? <laughs> um, yeah, what the heck? A, she cannot swim. B, we've demonstrated she falls off ledges. Like, it's not looking good for Suki at all. Yeah. Well, she can swim. Oh, yeah. She and can swim, maybe but... she's good at making friends with serpents, like the <laughs> So, um. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, and then Suki says, listen, I was sorry about last night. You and I were talking and saying things, and I was getting carried away. Um, which I think, again, is a really great demonstration of, like, rege- like accepting rejection. Whereas, like, Sokka, when Suki was making a joke earlier in the episode about this, like, tall person that Sokka's <laughs> height, who's, like, muscular. And she, she clearly was meaning Sokka, um, but he was getting, like, super defensive about it the whole time. Which yeah. is obviously like not how you want to handle it. Then Sokka kisses Suki and he's like, you talk too much. And then the camera pans up and it's beautiful and happy. And yeah, so I guess Suki and Sokka start dating. I don't really know. <laughs> I guess this is the beginning. It's also just yeah. great. Like, I don't know. I mean, I guess in general, it's just really cool how Sokka has these like very well-developed like relationships and like very deep relationships and he like meets ua and like suffers like a tragic loss and like this is him moving on with his life but that doesn't mean that he doesn't still love ua and like constantly think about her like whenever there's a freaking full moon which is like every episode of this entire show (laughs) um but like he can move on to new love still and like i don't know it's just like it's just really cool. I feel like Sokka has like very like intense relationship. Like for a kid's show, it's like crazy. Uh, just to show this like level of moving on with life. Yeah. And so in the final scene, we see Aang flying to Ba Sing Se. And we finally see the massive wall. And Aang starts <laughs> flying all the way up the wall. And it takes him a few seconds because the wall is so big. And there's this majestic avatar theme mm-hmm. music. While he's flying up the wall. And it's actually just really cool. I really like this scene because we've heard so much about the walls. Like Iroh has talked about the walls of Ba Sing Se and like how strong they were and everything. And all these refugees are like, once we make it past the walls, like everything will be good. And it just reminded me of like, to me, the wall always was like a Statue of Liberty type thing. Because it's all these like refugees coming into like a place or a country that would like take them in. And it's like so much hope and everything. And then also it's like, oh, once you get in inside the wall, like there's, there's like a little bit more wrong than than maybe you would like to see. But I always thought that like the wall was kind of like a Statue of Liberty type thing. And it's just very cool and hopeful. But then the next scene, we see the drill that's approaching the wall. We see we hear the Fire Nation theme music play and we're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And Aang's like, sorry, Momo, Appa's going to have to wait. They can't catch a break. That's another one of those moments I wish I was, like, rewatching for the first time, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, like, this was in a one-hour segment, which is so dope. Because, like, you don't have to wait. You just, like, you see it, and then you get to, like, know exactly what's happening, like, you know, the next minute. But anyways, that concludes this episode. So let's get on with our ratings. I'm going to give this episode an 8. I really like this episode a lot. There's a lot of character building for Sokka, especially Aang. You also see some from Iroh and Zuko. We see some familiar faces in Suki and Jet. And it's all just kind of building up um, more and more to when they finally get to the wall and get to Ba Sing Se. Um, so I think just because of the character exploration here, we also even get some action with the serpent too, which I always like. Um, but... Yeah, just doesn't reach the highest of highs, but um, I'm going to give it an 8. Yeah, I think I also give it an 8. Um, just super cool episode. Meet a lot of cool people. And it sets up a lot of, like, stuff that goes down later. But it's like, I don't know. I feel like the real tension in the show just starts now. That just keeps building and building and building until the end of season 3. 
Wow, I feel like this is a first. I'm giving it a low, the lowest rating. <laughs> I gave it a six, uh, which isn't even a bad rating. I just realized too that like we rate everything really high because obviously the show is the best. But um, I don't know. I guess like we do see like a lot of really great character development, but I think at times I was like slightly bored. Like I feel like Aang... Like, I feel like the last, you know, last episode, Aang's, like, rage and, I don't know, that phase of the grieving and, like, the sadness was, like, just more exciting than, like, this phase where he's just totally aloof and disconnected, which, you know, it's, like, very realistic portrayal, but I feel like Aang was just kind of rendered as this, like, I don't know, kind of boring, like, absent guy which like I think Aang is a great character and so I feel like that kind of like took something away from this episode even though that's like a very natural part of his like progression through these feelings of loss um yeah I also wasn't like super into Jet like being like obviously Jet being back is like really important and is gonna get like a lot more um intriguing but I feel like with him being back and like them stealing the food it was like man I was like bored and like Zuko was just like going along with it and it was like kind of boring sometimes um but like I think Iroh has some really good lines I think Suki and Sokka is like the star of the show in this one for me um and and I do like really like the ending um so but I think I think there are better episodes in this season so I'll give it a six um but yeah that's all for today. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion of The Serpent's Pass. As always, we release on WhatsApp Wednesday, so we'll see you next time for our discussion of part two of The Secret of the Fire Nation, which is The Drill. If you want to stay up to date on when we release or submit thoughts or questions, be sure to follow us on Instagram at, at what's underscore appa, or you can email us at whatsappapod at gmail.com. Also, subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the episode, be sure to hit us with a five-star rating. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Play me in the comments.